So Jesus, we ask that you would please use those words to help us be more like you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hello, 945 service. Great to have you here. Those of you who are watching uh, online and on the podcast, thank you also for, for being here. Uh, one of the people who always makes the, those lists of world's most admired people way toward the top uh, in everyone is Queen Elizabeth II. She has reigned longer than any British monarch in history, over 65 years. She served as a mechanic in World War II and as queen, has represented her country all around the world and has provided hospitality to foreign leaders at home in England, all of which, by the way, saves the English prime minister a whole lot of time because he doesn't have to do that stuff and he can focus on, he or she can focus on other things. And she's now, she's more popular, all the polls, she's more popular than ever before. Even my daughter like her, though mostly because of her corgis, um, and because she is the great-grandmother of the BPG, the baby Prince George, who they're obsessed with. And the way she became so admired uh, is her, her faithful service, but also one other ingredient, time. Lots of time. A whole lot of precious time. She was queen, actually, long before I was born. Most of us cannot remember a time when she wasn't queen. And you don't get a reputation like hers in a year or two. It just takes time. So we are starting a new sermon series called Handcrafted in a Fast Food World about things that take time to develop. Because some of the best things in life, friendship, marriage, faith, education, becoming better at a sport or becoming better at music, becoming braver, more joyful, all of those things just take time. Time. Now, what would be the one indispensable virtue that we would need in order to get some of those things that take time? What's the one thing that we would need to get things that take time to develop? The one virtue. What do you think it is? Very good. You paid attention to the scripture reading. Very good. Yes, by definition, things that take time to develop require patience. Now, I don't know about you, but patience is not my spiritual gift. A couple years ago, we were on vacation in California where we, where we used to live, and I was running late to meet an old friend. And I was standing at a stoplight waiting to cross the street, but the light was not changing fast enough for me. Now, normally, if I'm here, I would wait very patiently because I never know when one of you is watching. Um, <laughs> but I was in California, free of all of you, so I just started pushing the button over and over and over again, right? And then this nice older woman said, it won't change any faster. You're just going to have to be patient, Scott. She was from my former church. <laughs> you are everywhere watching me, constantly watching me. What is requiring patience from you right now? Maybe you are waiting to graduate or go to college. Maybe you're waiting and wondering about having a good future. Maybe it's a person that is trying your patience right now, a, a friend, a spouse, a parent, a teacher. Maybe you're waiting for a job or to get married or get a promotion or to have children. As I've shared with you these last couple of months, my oldest uh, child, daughter Holly, uh, has been waiting to hear back from uh, various colleges that she's applied to for, for next year. And she has actually been fine through that process. I've felt impatient. Right? Like, I, I really want to know. So all of them finally came, and she has decided to go to the University of Washington. So, yeah. On the condition that I never set foot on that campus unannounced. 
which should be fine. I rarely go over there anyway, although lately I have been seized by an uncontrollable desire to be there all the time. <laughs> when we are waiting, it can feel like God is as slow as molasses in January. And patience is one of those broccoli virtues, right? Like, you know it's good for you, but it seems like a lot of work, and frankly, what's in it for me? Uh, but the promise of today's text is that having patience is not just a matter of kind of grim determination. It actually can be a bit of an adventure. And there are some amazing rewards for being patient. And I'll kind of mention those along the way. But also for all of those things, you know, getting better at a sport or music or friendship or marriage, all of that stuff requires us to be patient. The Apostle James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. I'm going to stop right there. Like that right there kind of does me in. I mean, that is like so incredibly counterculture, right? Because our culture affirms our impatience. If company A can get the product to you in two days, but company B can get it to you tomorrow, company A is going out of business, right? We speed date, we eat fast food, we try the one weekend diet, we speak in half sentences, start things but don't finish our scent, right? It's a shame, really. And I actually love this. I mean, I just got to confess, I love our fast-paced culture. I love one-click shopping. Like, that stuff is awesome. One of the few things I still miss from California is how fast they drive. Like, I love y'all, but like, oh my goodness, the Eastsiders drive so slowly. You think, I got an amen over there, right? I think they're from California too. Like when you're at a light, let's say you're at a light and you're like four or five cars back and the light turns green, but then the person in front doesn't go, right? And the person behind them doesn't do their job, which is clearly to honk, right? <laughs> so they are aiding and abetting slowness, right? And then the person in the front finally kind of comes to and wakes up and goes through the light and they make it through, but because of their slowness, you don't make it through. That should be like 30 or 40 years in jail, right? <laughs> Like, seriously, and don't even get me started on driving slow in the left lane. Oh, my goodness, capital offense, right? I mean, the inefficiency, the injustice, the inhumanity of it all. So clearly, I need a sermon on patience. And one of our elders said uh, this week that it would, you know, uh, it would be fitting if a sermon on patience went way too long. <laughs> You're just going to be here forever. Right? Um, the deal is, the problem is, our impatience, my impatience, your impatience, actually does a lot of harm, right? Like repeated impatience with friends or with, with spouse or between parents and kids, if we are repeatedly impatient with them, it will seriously damage the relationship. When we immediately post to social media our outrage du jour, honk when the light turns green, shove our way to the front of the line, it creates a climate of anger, distrust, and disrespect. Does anyone think that describes our culture right now? Angry, disrespectful. And we miss out on some of life's greatest benefits because they take, these things take time, they take patience. Here's the truth. Nothing worth anything is one click away. Nothing worth anything is one click away. And the passage we read today shows us how we can have more patience, but not in a passive way, because patience is never passive. It's very active, and it leads to some of those great rewards, strong friendships, good marriages, etc., etc., etc. The passage uses two different Greek words for patience. The first Greek word it uses is makrothemeo, which means waiting with calm expectancy. And it uses the image of a farmer who waits patiently for the rain, because if you plant the crops too soon before the rain, then they'll die. And this is the patience we just need in life. Jobs, 
with people, just kind of normal stoplights, just normal patients, right? The other word this passage uses is hypomone, which means endurance or fortitude. And this is the patience we need when we're going through suffering. And it points to the biblical character Job as an example. And biblical patience, as I said, isn't just grim determination. So here's a definition. Biblical patience is a steady strength and confidence in the face of delayed gratification. Steady strength and confidence in the face of delayed gratification. And the formula for patience is this. Love plus humility plus vision plus hope equals patience. And a lack of all those things leads to impatience. So let me kind of unpack that, all right? To start with, to be more patient, we need more love. Because one of the primary places we need patience is with other people, right? And other people can be irritating, occasionally. Is there someone in your life right now, when you see them coming inside, you go, oh, him, her, ugh, take this cup from me, right? Some of you have that person in mind right now. Some of you are sitting next to that person. Some of you are that person. <laughs> and that's not just impatience. That is a lack of love, right? And yes, sometimes we do have to confront, confront people on bad behavior, et cetera, et cetera. But if you call people out for every single offense, every time they irritate you, you're not going to have any friends, you're not going to get married, you're not going to, or it won't last, right? Some things need to follow the FIDO principle. Forget it and drive on. And the main way we get more love is by connecting with Jesus, which I'll get to in a minute. But the other way to kind of get more love so we can have more patience, and you may want to write this down because this one is like really important, okay? I screw up too. In fact, say this with me. I screw up too. That wasn't so bad, wasn't it? I mean, emblazon that on your mind, right? There have been times when the light has turned green and I have dawdled. I have not gone through. So why am I honking at the person who's doing the same thing right now? Actually, I never honk because I'm spiritually mature. <laughs> and it might be one of you. It's one of those two reasons. We can be patient when we remember I'm not perfect. I hurt people. I can be insensitive. James says, do not grumble against one another because grumbling leads to a toxic school, work, or social environment, whereas patience leads to the opposite. Last week, I was helping my parents with some medical issues which required going to several different doctors. And one of those doctors was abrupt, curt, in a hurry. The other was calm, answered our questions, had a great sense of humor, even kind of joked around with us. And her patience changed the atmosphere completely. More peace, more joy, more fun, relieved stress. And not just for my family, it helped, us it helped us cooperate with her better, so she got better patient outcomes. Plus, I think it made her job more fun. One reward for patients is peace and fun and joy, rather than being stressed out and amped up all the time. The other thing to keep in mind to increase our patience, increase our love, is to realize I don't know what that person is going through. Right? I saw a post from a woman who was in the library with her four-month-old daughter who was making kind of happy baby noises. And the man said, tell that kid to shut up or I will. This man sitting there said, and so she shot back, I don't know what's in your life to make you so mean, but I will not tell my kid to shut up, nor will you. And she braced herself for his comeback because that's what impatience leads to, more anger. Instead, he dropped his head and he said, I am sorry. And he said, my son died when he was two months old. And my anger over all of that actually wrecked my marriage. And sometimes when I'm around kids, that anger still comes out. 
So this woman pulled up a chair, sat next to him, and said, tell me about your son. And they talked for a long time. Eventually, he asked if he could hold her baby. And, and he did, and the baby laid her head on his shoulder. So initially, they were impatient, but then they were patient with one another. And that led to healing. Second, for more patience, we need more humility. The chapter before the one we read says, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, carry on business and make money, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In other words, you don't see what's up ahead, but God does, so don't assume an omniscience that you don't have. That's not humble. And when you freak out or when I freak out because this or that just has to happen and it's not happening, your freaking out comes from the fact that you think this thing has to happen. Does it? Maybe God's got a different way. So instead of saying, God, here's what needs to happen and you're not doing it, so step up, God. Say, God, what are you doing? Help me see so I can be part of it. Which brings me to the third thing we need for patience, and that is more vision to see what God is doing so we can participate. Because as I said before, patience isn't passive. It's, patience is never passive, it's active. Patience with God is always participatory patience, where we participate in what God is doing. A woman I know was once at a conference, and at the end of a really long, boring speech, she heard someone say, man, I wish that speaker had been on vacation with me. It would have made it seem twice as long. That's kind of how we view patience, right? Long, boring, waiting. Biblical patience is never passive. It's always participatory in what God is doing. This passage says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. So in the Bible, Job lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost his children. He yelled at God. He argued with God. In the process, found a deeper relationship with God, and God restored what he'd lost. And that the Greek word for brought about is telos, which means purpose or end result. God always has a purpose. He will use hard things in our life to make us braver, stronger, more joyful. Pastor Eugene Peterson says, waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged by waiting. Kind of a weird image, but it makes, right, like, <laughs> just go with it, right? <laughs> Participatory patience means we ask the Holy Spirit to give us vision for what he is doing in our life so that we can participate. And we can do this daily. So for me, this week was a very busy week. I had to write this sermon. I had a board meeting at Whitworth in Spokane. A number of other issues were happening. And all week, I was rushed in a hurry. I got impatient in traffic. I got impatient in line at the store. And every time I got impatient, guess what I thought? Right? Oh, wait. I am preaching on patience this week. Dang it. Right? You always live what you preach. Next week's sermon, by the way, is on what to do when you win the lottery. But each time that happened, it reminded me these little things are training exercises to help me become more loving, more joyful, more patient, more like Jesus. One of our staff, Joanna Harmon, <coughs> who makes our awesome videos, emailed me her story about how she grew up in a great Christian home, but always kept, still had a, some struggles with her faith. And in her email, she said, I wanted to know, touch, and feel God, and was frustrated that I couldn't. She said, I prayed the sinner's prayer about 20 times just to make sure that it stuck. I was fearful of the rapture, wondering if my relationship with Christ was enough. So sometimes late at night, I'd check to see if my parents were still in bed in case they'd been raptured and I'd been left behind. 
I also had some health issues connected to a poor immune system, which doctors couldn't fix. And one of the problems was I had psoriasis, a skin disease which makes red and white patches all over your skin. And it itched constantly, and I had it really bad. From junior high through high school, I tried everything. Acupuncture, light therapy, tar baths, and so much more. At school, I got made fun of any time I had a new diet or a new technique. I felt like bubble girl. And at a time in life when teenagers are trying to find themselves, I felt like I had an extra helping of confusion. So I prayed a lot. At first, I prayed for my sickness to go away. Then I was complaining to God that my body hurt. But then it opened up into other areas of life. I started talking to God about everything. When I graduated from high school, I thought back to the times when I was worried that my relationship with Christ wasn't strong enough. I realized it was because of my sickness that I had found who I was in Christ. I knew who God was beyond a shadow of a doubt, and it was because of all those times I was on my knees begging for healing. God didn't answer my prayer for healing the way I wanted him to. Instead, he answered my prayer for my spirit and my soul. I am thankful I have psoriasis. I am thankful. It was the journey that made me who I am today. It gave me that faith that I had prayed for when I was young. I was seeking God, and that journey made me find him. That's participatory patience. She had a vision for what God was doing in her life and cooperated, could see it happening, and participated in it. Love plus humility plus vision, all of which leads to my last point. We need more hope. To have patience, we need more hope. Because when we see what God is doing and join him, that gives us hope. That gives us energy. That gives us new life. Because we realize that more important than what we're waiting for is who we become when we wait. More important than what we're waiting for is who we become as we wait. And we can, it's, like, it's a little bit like a dog following its owner. Right? You know how dogs are just awesome, like they're following the owner and they're jumping around and they're super happy, right? And they've got this look on their face as though they're saying, what are you going to do next, huh? huh? What are you going to do next? That's kind of how we can be with God. God, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? In the middle of his trials, Job says, he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. In other words, I know God is working for my good, which gives me hope, and therefore I wait with expectation and joy and delight and adventure because I don't know what God's going to do next. That's biblical patience. So, practically speaking, what are some things we can do this week? Homework kind of things. Well, let's start with the first one, honest conversation with God. Many commentaries find it interesting that this passage uses Job as an example of patience because Job, if you read the book, he yells, he complains, he argues with God, he accuses God, right? But as I said a few weeks ago, prayer is primal. If you know how to yell, you know how to pray. Be honest with God. And listen for those thoughts that may come from him to guide you. Help you know when to wait. Help you know when you need to act. Because when we experience Jesus' love in prayer or worship or scripture, it makes us more loving, which makes us more patient. Second, don't put your life on hold. Because right? a lot of times we think, man, I can't wait till I graduate or go to college or get married or get a job or have children or get a promotion or retire, right? But here's the thing. If we can't be fully alive today... Nothing will make us fully alive tomorrow because we've made that thing that we're waiting for into an idol and idols will always disappoint us. 
And there are many things we can do as we wait in life that make life worth living. Enjoy the friends you have, the opportunities you have. Sometimes I'll say to single folks who are hoping to get married, I say, marriage is great, but right now you got some freedom to do some stuff that's harder to do when you're married. You've got some freedom right now, so enjoy it. And all the married people said, amen. <laughs> right? Third, daily training exercises to strengthen patience. Drive in the slow lane and use the extra time to pray. I promise I will do that this week, though it will be hard. Eat lunch without also working at your keyboard. Refrain from political posts on social media that contribute to a climate of rage. Things with titles like Epic Smackdown or so-and-so destroys such-and-such in 30 seconds or those crazy liberals or those crazy conservatives are at it again, right? Not only do those contribute to a culture of rage, they're stupid. <laughs> they're dumb arguments filled with straw men arguments, logical fallacies, overstatements. This group is just like the Nazis. That group is just the American Taliban, right? You can see right through them. Both sides do it. You can see right through it. Instead, use well-balanced, well-reasoned posts. The people of God can do better. The people of God can heal our culture of rage. Then finally, wait on the Lord, not the Lord's things. Because a lot of times when we say, I'm just waiting on God, what we really mean is I'm just waiting for God to give me what I want. Right? We pray to get God to give us things. Jesus prayed to find God in things. And, and, and not always, but sometimes in prayer or worship, I experience Jesus' presence, which gives me peace, joy, patience. Those are some homework stuff. There's a comedian named Yakov Smirnov who immigrated here from, from Russia to, to America. And he said he was shocked by how much stuff there is in American supermarkets. And he said, on my first shopping trip, I saw powdered milk. Just add water and you get milk. And then I saw powdered orange juice. Just add water and you get orange juice. And then I saw baby powder, and I thought, what a country. <laughs> Ours is a just-add-water world. But the best things in life, friendship, marriage, learning, growing, they just take time. I have a friend who dated a woman all through college. She was the love of his life. And when they graduated, she broke up with him, married someone else, and moved to Australia. And he was devastated. He felt like God had abandoned him. But he hung on to the promise that God is good all the time, all the time God is good and doing good things, and just kind of participated with what God was doing. Dated other women, it never seemed right, always just felt God nudging him to be patient, not necessarily for a spouse, but for what Jesus was doing. He joined a small group at church, which I was part of. He learned how to connect with Jesus, even in his disappointment. Uh, he became a person of incredible strength, courage, integrity, Genuine kindness, and he's a police officer, and his genuine kindness makes him a really good cop because he treats all people with respect and dignity. He's also biracial, which means he can bring calm into racially charged situations. He displays steady strength, steady confidence strength, a.k.a. patience. Well, five years after all of this, one day he went to a friend's church, not his normal church, just visited with a friend. And after the service, he stepped outside and right in front of him was this woman who had broken up with him five years earlier, sobbing. And her first husband had left her for someone else. And that day just happened to be her first day back in the United States. And that church just happened to be her parents' church. And she just happened to be there that day that my friend also just happened to be visiting that church. That's a lot of just happened to be's. Coincidence is when God chooses to remain anonymous. 
So they started a conversation. A year later, restarted their relationship, eventually got married, had a great family. Now, when the love of your life marries someone else and moves to Australia, that's hard. But my friend engaged in participatory patience, participating in what Jesus was doing in his life, using and growing him, helping him mature, using him as a police officer to bring justice in respectful ways. God didn't cause all their hardships, but he used them, used their long struggle to make them braver and more joyful. And what I always loved about them is if they were ever in a conversation and someone would ever say, ah, oh, sometimes I wonder if God exists, they would just look at each other and smile and they'd say, oh yeah, he exists. Let us tell you our story. And while yes, my friend got what he wanted, got what he, wanted he got to marry the, the, the woman, even if that hadn't happened, he would still be saying it is well with my soul because he had attained a steady, confident strength called patience. And if if it hadn't happened, he would have been good. Just like Joanna, who did not get her prayers for healing, answered the way she wanted, but she found God in the process, and so she can say, I'm thankful he didn't answer those prayers that way. So where do you need patience right now? And how can you participate with Jesus' vision to give you joyful, confident, steady, strength, patience? And give it time, because remember, there is no such thing as patience. The best things in life, the back row took a lot longer to get that than the front row, I just got to say. But I was patient. The best things in life just take time. And stick with Jesus, because you know, if you think about this, Jesus is the one who wrote the book on patience. He has been exceedingly patient with you and me. Because when we were rebelling against him, while we were yet sinners, he died to pay the price for our sins so that we could know how much he loves us. He wrote the book on patience, so stick with him. And over time, he will use the circumstances of your life, good and bad, to develop in you peace and steady, confident strength that you didn't have before. And you will come forth as gold. So Jesus, thank you for that promise. And we ask that you would now just help us to see the opportunities we have to connect with you, be more filled with your love so we can love others. Thank you that you are patient with us. Jesus, help us be patient with others. In your name, amen.